Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we are continuing our series on Christian foundations, the, the, the teachings that are absolutely essential to have a strong foundation for our Christian life. The foundation is Christ himself. And when we receive Christ, we have that foundation in our heart. But now we need to live a Christian life upon that foundation of Christ, who he is and, and, and his love for us, and what he did for us on the cross. We need to know how to build that foundation. And the Bible actually tells us the seven areas of foundational truths that we need to receive and, uh, and act on in our life to build, the, the, as it were, the, the bottom layer of that house. And then once we've got those in place, we can then build up the upper stories and the, and the roof of, of our house, the house of our life. So these foundational doctrines are particularly important. And, and we're still really focusing on the first two. But let's go to um, in Hebrews chapter 6, which describes these foundational doctrines. They're also called the milk of the word. And, and they are practical teachings as to, as to how we are to live our new Christian life based on Christ. And it says, leaving the elementary principles, that's the foundational principles. They, these are the principles and the teachings that we have to, to accept and obey first before we can hope to, to move on higher. And so he says, hopefully now we can leave these elementary principles of the teaching of Christ or the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation. So this is the foundational teachings. And there are seven of them. Number one, repentance from dead works. Number two, faith toward God. Number three, doctrine. Number three, number four, baptisms. Number five, the laying on of hands. Number six, resurrection of the dead. And number seven, eternal judgment. In this series, we want to cover the, these seven, but we're, we're taking especially time on the first two, which is repentance from dead works and faith toward God, because they are particularly important. Um, repentance of dead works. Now that's talking about our old life, that dead works are the works of our flesh when we depend on ourselves, living out from our own self, our own soul. And, um, and the Bible's very clear that flesh, what we produce from ourselves, is of no value and uh, does not please God. And so we, we have to learn to live by faith in God. God is at the source of our life. God is the source of our love. And living out from the grace of God, we're under grace. And then we start living the real Christian life. The old life lived out from self, that's what we've got to repent from. And now we've got to embrace this new way of living, which is described by living by faith in God. And so, uh, I'm going to particularly look today at what I call rebound techniques. You see, different things happen to us in life, and good things, bad things, and we need to know how to respond to them. And there are two ways to respond. We can respond in the flesh, or we can respond in the spirit. Um, and we can respond in faith, uh, or we can respond the old way according to, uh, and just produce flesh or dead works. 
and so I want to talk about this, which is, I'm calling it rebound techniques, rebounding from different kinds of situations. And, and basically, what we need to understand is that if we, the, the response in the flesh, which is probably the first urge of our nature to respond in the flesh, is, is, is going to be wrong. And so repentance from dead works means we're, we're applying these foundational doctrines to these situations. We need to repent from our dead works of our reaction in the flesh and we need to embrace the reaction that's based on our faith in God. So we want to build our life on these foundational doctrines and hopefully you'll find this very practical today. Proverbs 14.12 says that there is a way that seems right to man but the end thereof are the ways of death. In other words, what seems right to our flesh actually just produces more death. It doesn't work. But what the way of faith will produce good fruit in our life. Jesus said he would teach us a new life. He said, come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden. Here you are, struggling in your own strength, trying to do all the right things possibly, but you're laboring. You're heavy laden because you're trying to live from your soul and your, you, your soul wasn't designed to carry that pressure. You're meant to live out from the grace of God, you see. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. If you, if you do it my way, you'll experience rest and peace. Take my yoke, and there's the key, take my yoke upon you. And the yoke of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. It's the thing that connects us to Jesus. And the yoke connects us to Jesus take my spirit upon you. In other words, receive my spirit, receive my life, and through that yoke, you will learn how to live. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, if you submit yourself to me and to my spirit, you will learn of me. I will teach you how to handle the things of life. For I am meek and lowly in heart, he says. I won't oppress you but it, you will find my yoke a beautiful thing, a gentle thing. You will find rest for your souls. It will fit well upon you. You will be able to relax because I'll take the strain off you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, whatever I ask you to do, I'll empower you to do it. I'll show you how to live. And so this is, I want to show how this applies in some key areas of our life and particularly when things happen to us. How do we respond? How do we rebound? And, um, you know, particularly, you know, if, when a baby starts to walk and he'll fall down and then he gets up again and he falls down again. And uh, when we are going through life and we are failing and we're falling down, we need to be able to, to respond in the right way. You know, we might be tempted just to despair and give up. Or we can rebound. We can respond correctly, like a baby does, with encouragement, gets up and tries again. And so when we fall flat on our face, we need to know how to rebound uh, in the grace of God. And so that whatever happens in our life, it, uh, if we know how to respond, it will not destroy us but it will only make us stronger. And each time the baby falls and goes again, he gets stronger and he learns all the time. And, and so it's not what happens to you that actually 
causes you to your life to fail. It's how you respond to the events in your life that determines your success or your failure. And so I want to talk about how we respond to different things. And uh, I like to call it God's rebound techniques. How to walk in faith in different situations. Well, the first one is how to rebound from sin. Because just because you're a Christian, you've got the nature of Christ in you, doesn't mean you're not going to sin. Because you still have a sin nature in your flesh. And if you yield yourself to that, you will sin. And actually, it's only by walking in the Spirit that you can be free from the power of sin. But none of us does that perfectly. But we're growing in learning how to depend on the Holy Spirit. So we will sin. And that's like that baby falling on our face. Uh, what do we do in that situation? What can happen in the natural is that we uh, get discouraged, we give up, or we, we run away from God because we think God doesn't like us anymore. Uh, you know, as a new believer, you might think, well, maybe I'm not really a Christian after all. I, I feel condemned. And basically, the natural reaction in the flesh is wrong. We need to understand what God says we need to do when we fall. When we re How do we rebound? That's the key. And so the first thing we need to understand, when we sin, when we commit a sin and we know we have, our conscience convicts us, we do not lose our relationship with God. We are still children of God. We are still loved by God. We're still under the grace of God. All those things are true for us in Christ because we don't stand, our salvation does not stand in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus. What is broken or what is hurt is our fellowship with God. And, it, and it's like a child in the family. You know, if the child sins against his father, he's still in that same relationship. He's still the son of his father, but there's a loss of fellowship. And so that's what happens is that when we sin, until we deal with it, there's a loss of fellowship. The light level dims a bit and uh, we uh, are not experiencing and enjoying the presence of God so much. And then what can happen is Satan comes in and condemns us and, and says, oh, you're no good. God doesn't love you anymore. And so we, we, our faith can then be paralyzed. So the, the flesh reactions would be to, to cover our sin up, to, to, to try not to think about it or to justify it. Oh, well, it, I was forced into it. Uh, or we try and earn forgiveness by trying harder in other areas. Uh, or we try and struggle against that sin in our own strength. And all of these ways are the wrong way. The Bible tells us what to do. And that's in 1 John 1, 1.9. He says, if we confess our sins, that's what God wants us to do. This word confess means to say the same thing as, as God. God says that sin, all he wants us to do is to repent and say, God, I admit I sinned. Just be honest with God. Don't run away from God, run to God. God already knows. You, this point is hiding from God. God already knows that you sinned. Uh, and he still loves you. Just like Adam hid in the garden away from the presence of God. What does that achieve? No, bring it to the light. Expose it to God and say, God, you see me already. You still love me, but I confess that to you. 
If we confess our sins, this is a wonderful promise. He is faithful to his promise, he's faithful, and just, he's righteous because of the blood of Jesus, which has paid the price for your sins. And so he's, he's righteous to forgive you. He's faithful and he's righteous to forgive us our sins. In other words, he wipes the slate clean, all is well, and you're back in fellowship with God. And he doesn't just forgive us our sins, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now that's, that's wonderful, that's saying that the blood of Jesus cleanses us. That, state, that sin caused a stain in our soul, an, an unrighteousness. And as soon as we confess it, God will wash that clean. Sometimes it's important to forgive ourselves as well. We have to say, Lord, because you've forgiven me by the blood of Jesus, you are satisfied by the blood of Jesus for me, therefore I agree with you and I am satisfied. The blood of Jesus has paid for my sin, so thank you. And then you are washed, you are cleansed of that sin. Um, and so don't hold on to that guilt. Claim the promise that when you confess your sins, you are forgiven and you are cleansed. And God cleanses you from the guilt and from the shame and from the stain of that sin. Then, having fallen down, 1 John 1, 9, you're right back on your feet. That's the faith response. You repent that you yielded to the old way and you put your faith in God to forgive you and to restore you. And you claim that by faith. And uh, we see that that was, that was King David had to do that when he sinned with Bathsheba. And he describes his experience in Psalm 32. He says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. He doesn't put it to his account. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. In other words, this man has come clean with God. He's not covering it up. That's the worst thing you can do is cover it up. When I kept silence, and for a time David covered it up. He kept silent. He didn't confess it. And as a result, sickness came into his body. My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Salah. He came under depression because he didn't confess his sin. But then in verse 5 he did. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. The cover-up ended. Nathan the prophet helped him. He exposed the sin and David came clean. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So when he confessed the sin, God forgave him. Praise God. And Psalm 51 also speaks of this same situation, and this is his prayer of confession. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Notice he's not trying to minimize his sin, he's not trying to deny his sin, and in fact he, he says his sin is before me. He doesn't trivialize it. In fact, sometimes it is right to, to actually be aware of the seriousness of that sin until you actually properly um, feel that, uh, that um, conviction that what you have done is wrong because you really want to repent of that sin. So don't treat it as a light thing. You know, realize what a serious thing that is. And that's what he said, my sin is before me. Until he felt that, um, 
that hatred of that sin and so that he would turn from it and confess it to God. Against you, you only have I sinned. He said, I didn't just sin against man, but I sinned against God. And that makes it much more serious. And done this evil in your sight. Notice he didn't say, I made a mistake. He said, I have done evil. He is not minimizing his sin. He's confessing it openly to God because he wants to get it out of his system. See, it's a bit like, you know, we excrete. If we don't get rid of our urine and, st and stuff, then uh, that will poison us. It's toxins on the inside of us. And confession is the way to get those toxins out of our system. If we allow sin, if we bury it in our heart, it just poisons us and it poisons our relationship with God. By confession, we get it out. And so we call it what it is. It's evil. It's sin. And we see it for what it is. And we hate it. And we confess it to God. And we excrete it. And he says, Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. God, you would be righteous if you judged me for that sin. But thank God, Jesus took the judgment in my place. Then he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Hyssop was used to apply the blood on the, day, on the Passover day. They applied the blood of the Passover lamb to the door of the house. So when he's saying, purge me with hyssop, he says, apply the blood, of, uh, apply the blood to me that I might be cleansed. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. In other words, restore the joy of fellowship. That the bones you've broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This is how to confess. And he says, don't cast me away from your prayer. I want your presence restored to me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your anointing from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. When you sin, you lose your joy because joy comes from the presence of God. And so he says, restore that joy to me and uphold me by your generous spirit. I love that. Generous spirit means the spirit of grace. When he sinned, he moved out of the grace of God into dead works. But now he says, uphold me. In other words, Lord, I'm trusting again in your grace, your generous spirit. Uphold me. Lift me up by your grace. And so that is how we are to rebound from sin. We're not to run away from God. We're not to hide our sin. But we are to, op to let God inspect us and run to God, knowing that he loves us. He knows all about it anyway. And just agree with God that that was sin, that was wrong, and ask him to restore us. Now, a second type uh, of rebound is rebounding from success. That might surprise you, but your greatest temptation in life is success because that can bring you into pride. It can, um, some people who have success forget God. The great danger of that success pleasures good things they can cause you to fall asleep spiritually and trust in those good things you suddenly get a lot of money there's a danger your heart will turn away from God and now you're trusting in that money and that can cause you to be deceived into thinking you don't need God so how do you respond to success and here is the key you rebound see the flesh reaction is to is to focus on that success, focus on that money, and find your satisfaction in that. 
But actually, the faith reaction, the rebound, the way we rebound, the way we respond is by giving thanks to God for that blessing. The more God blesses you, the more you should thank him for it. You should acknowledge him as the source of that blessing. Give, and give the first fruits back to God. Give him the first fruits of that. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. And as God blesses you, keep giving thanks. Remember that he is the one who gave you that blessing. And if you keep giving thanks, you'll stay plugged into God and God will be number one in your life. And you won't let that success or whatever, that blessing, steal your heart away from God. Thanksgiving is vital there. Now, the next one is rebounding from setbacks and trials. You know, your Christian life will not all be roses. The bad things does happen uh, because we live in a fallen world. And we need to know how to respond because the flesh reaction when bad things happen is for us to get upset, to get discouraged, to say, where are you, God, to blame God. And that's the flesh reaction. As I said, it's always wrong and it produces no good fruit. The way we should rebound is to, and this is a strange one, it's to rejoice. We are to rejoice when bad stuff happens. Rejoice in God. And the reason why we can rejoice in God is Romans 8.28. He says, God works all things, not just bad things, not just good things, but bad things too. God works all things together for good for those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. And so there's two conditions here. Number one, if you're a believer, you're called according to his purpose. He's, he's got a purpose for your life that he's working out. And those who are loving God, literally present tense, you are loving God. And so if you will love God and praise God and in that situation, God is actually got a working his purpose out in your life. And he'll even use the bad things that happen to actually accelerate his purpose in your life and to build your character as long as you, you rejoice that God is working it for good. You don't rejoice in what is evil. If something evil happens, you don't thank God for it because God did, doesn't do evil. But you can thank God that he's going to work it for your good. Every setback is a stepping stone to greater things. And that, and that is the faith response. It isn't what your feelings will want you to do, but uh, it is the faith response. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 10, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. He says, when they persecute you, revile you, and speak evil of you, what should you do? Get depressed? No, he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. God's going to work it for good. He's going to make you more like Christ and you're going to get a greater eternal reward. Praise God. James chapter 1, he says, my brethren, count it all joy. He's not saying feel joyful, but he says count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, he says re start rejoicing. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces patience. What's happening is you actually don't necessarily grow very fast when everything is going nicely around you. But when it's like when you go to the gym, when you've got to start lifting lots of weights, you actually build muscle in the process. And so when you're in a hard situation, start rejoicing and thanking God that, God, thank you, you are building my endurance, my spiritual strength 
through this situation because I'm going to I'm having to really trust you in this and as a result your spiritual growth is accelerated he says blessed is the man who endures temptation when he's been approved he'll receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him so as you continue to love him through that trial he's going to work it for good Romans 5.3 says, We also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope, uh, and, and that the glory of God will be manifested in your life. Praise God. And so this is the, the crucial way to rebound. Uh, and it says that uh, we are to keep looking to, to God and seeing the bigger picture that though this bad thing has happened, the faith response is to say, God is still bigger than all of that. And as I keep my faith switched on and thank God that he's working this for good and rejoice that God is working his purposes out in my life, so I will go from glory to glory. And Paul suffered many uh, attacks in his life. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, he says, I will boast in my infirmities, in, in my challenges, that the power of Christ may rest on me. So Paul says, I boast. When the more I have this, these troubles, he responds in faith by praising God, by thanking God that God's going to work it for good because the power of God it becomes stronger in him because he's, it forces him to lean on the power of God and, and the grace of God, however the, much the pressure is, the grace of God is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so when things happen to make us more and more aware of our weakness, God will work that for good because this is an opportunity for more of his power and his strength to work in our life. So he says, I take pleasure, I rejoice, he says, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in discretion, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am also strong. So that is uh, awesome that the, the Apostle Paul put this into practice. And finally, we need to know how to, re to rebound from hurts and offenses. When people do us wrong, the way to rebound is not to nurse it, rehearse it, become bitter, become defiled, but rather forgive. Forgive quickly. As Christ has forgiven you, so forgive fully and freely. Put them in the hands of God. Pray for them. They still have to answer to God for what they've done, but you need to remove yourself from being their judge and executioner. Forgive them freely, and God will allow that blessing to happen. The, he also says, if you do not forgive, then that causes a blockage in your relationship with God. So you need to rebound from when people hurt you by forgiving quickly. That's the way of faith, and it's completely opposite to the way of the flesh. These are the rebound techniques. Amen. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk 
or by calling 01865 515 086.